Welcome back to the Women's Retail Collective podcast. Today we're meeting with Myers Amanda McVeigh. Amanda has pretty much every buzzword in retail right now under her purview at Myers. So without further ado, let's get to her career story. Today on the program, I have Amanda McVeigh, the Group Vice President for Marketing and Customer Strategy, Retail Media, Ecom, Own Brand, Data Insights, at Meyer. Amanda, that's one heck of a title, I have to say. Uh, welcome to the program. You gotta, you gotta break that down for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a whole lot. Of, I'll start with it's a whole lot of fun because it's very much focused on, on the customer, but all things kind of traditional marketing as well as the, the innovation side of marketing lives within my world. Um, and then we've got um, focus on digital. So all things digital shopping, shopping digital experience, the, the app development and the, the online um, website development to really lead that e-commerce business yes. within my world. And then customer insights. So we call it our voice of our customer. So all okay. things that come in from our customer, whether that be from a traditional call center through social media, all of that a listening to our customers, as well as us going out and understanding more things from our customers and, and doing those studies lives within that customer strategy world. Um, and then of course our brand voice and all things um, creative live, live within uh, our team's world. And then also um, what we call presentation, which is really that traditional space management and planogram building, but also what does that look like now in the future as we understand our customer data and the way we optimize our assortments and set up our buyers for success in making those decisions of what we carry. And then um, own brands. So own brands, obviously incredibly important. Yes. Um, what's our strategy? How do we want to position our own brands? And what's our portfolio when it comes to that um, products that we offer and the promises that we give to our customers? So huh. it's a whole lot of fun to lead yes. a really great team. Um, and really it's a pretty new role for me. We'll talk about this too. Yeah, um, yeah. I've only been in it a little over a year and it's actually a new role to Meyer as well. So it's, it's well, kind of it sounds like it was like custom created just for you. I mean, you, you are a woman of many talents. If we, if by that list that you just gave, you're able to kind of take and manage the, the chaos of all of the things going on at Meyer. Um, I, I want to go back though, Amanda, I want to know what your first retail job was because we got to hear how you kind of built up to have this this unicorn uh, roster of talent. What was your first retail job? How'd you get into this world? So my very first job 20 years ago uh, was at Target headquarters as what we um, lovingly called a bait. So okay. analyst in training. Um, and what we first entered into even before we got to enter the, the beautiful corporate office was we lived three weeks immersed in the store. So the St. Louis Park Target was where I spent kind of my first three weeks on a retail job. Um, and I have vivid memories of setting Halloween candy planograms, <laughs> worked in the food service cafe, which at the time I got to learn how to roll hot dogs. Oh my we learned gosh. guest services and, and, you know, all those concerns of guests when they were returning products and not happy with their, their experience. And then we also got to do some overnights, um, unloading trucks. And so that was really my first, um, immersion into what the retail world looked like and, and really good foundation, um, for then coming into, to that executive training program. Um, what, what did you think? I mean, what's the sentiment among you and your peers in that program? Are people just like, 
oh my gosh, this is so much like, there's just so much, like, are people excited about it? Are they wondering what the heck they're doing here? I wanted to be an analyst. Like how, what, how are people reacting to that thing? So a little bit of all of that, um, eager and motivated to, to find a way to, to understand and make an impact and influence and, and really set the stores up for success and ultimately have that final, um, relationship with the customer. Um, and then, and then, you know, from there, I moved around for 10 years um, within that, that target merchandising world. And that's where actually Chris and I were in our buying training class together. Oh, um, awesome. Say how long, but over 15 years ago, um, which was a whole lot of fun. Oh, that's amazing. I, I love that. I do appreciate and love that there's time spent in the stores. I think, especially as we continue our careers in retail um, and it, with the pandemic the last couple of years, it's been hard to get the headquarters staff into the stores to really understand, you know, what's happening there. It's happening with customers and, and all that the frontline workers have been dealing with for the last couple of years. How, I mean, how do you take that, I guess? And uh, I mean, is that something that you're doing at Meyer or that it was part of the kind of DNA there to kind of keep fresh and keep up to date with what's going on? Yeah. I mean, the recognition and the appreciation of, of, you know, really that final connection from an in-store perspective with the customers and that experience and really how, um, important that that environment and those team members are um, is is remarkable. And so ensuring that I'm out there um, experiencing it as much as I can. And then, you know, feeling like I've got a really good understanding of, of, of course, what are the customers experiencing when they're at that final decision making point. So we they've made the choice to come into our store. How do we give them that best experience um, that we can? And how can we support the team members that are, um, you know, in the store making making those really good decisions of customer service. And then also in the same vein, you know, understanding what our customers are feeling when they choose to not come into our store and transact right. with us digitally. And so how are we experiencing that from a customer viewpoint from both the in-store experience and the digital experience, knowing right. that those decisions being made are, are similar in that customer journey, but also some, some nuanced differences is right. important. Right. Well, so you, you just to step back. So you were at target for several years and did you go right to Meyer after target? I, yeah, I did. So and, we, um, so now I've been 10 years at both. And so I had 10 okay. years started at target and now I just had my 10 year anniversary at Meyer. So it's been really fun to, to see retail from two, um, different, uh, perspectives. And so what, you know, what drew you to Meyer? Like, what was the evolution of like, all right, I think I want to give this spot a try. Like, Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So it was really interesting. So I had not grown up in the Midwest. And so I had not, you know, had these memories that I started hearing from, from especially the family that I married into that was from Michigan of this, you know, from a business perspective, call it brand equity, but just this idea of what Meyer represented as this place of business, but also this neighbor within the culture and the community mm-hmm. in the Great Lakes area. And it was just super intriguing and really special. And so, you know, that from an emotional perspective was really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'd hear these memories and stories um, of either shopping at Meyer as children, Meyer sponsored their local sports team. I mean, you name it, there were all these different, even connections with the Meyer family um, okay. that were, you know, just so many stories infiltrated across the culture. And I just thought that was so interesting and special. And I, I really wanted to, to be a part of it and learn from a business perspective, what was the opportunity 
behind these stories. And then this idea that it was a private, regionally focused, community focused company was very different from from where I was coming from. And and I love, you know, both of the companies, but really pretty different um, in how they go to market and how they, um, you know, have their purpose. And I was just really interested and and wanted to learn more and see what impact I could make um, from a different perspective. Well, yeah. And I love to hear, I remember the first time that I went to a Meyer, I think it was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, actually, when um, I was so surprised because it was like, this is all, this is, it was like a grocery store, which was, I was visiting family. It was a grocery store first, but then it was like, there's clothes here. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was like the early days of what we, we see now, you know, from your background at target is like the, the target experience of today, they were really kind of pushing that forward. What did you find like from your previous career at target was like helpful as you moved into this career at at Meyer? And, you know, after being there for 10 years, I imagine you've seen a lot of change. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the, the one-stop shop idea was was similar from a convenience standpoint of, of yeah. finding you know a variety of different products in one store and and um, you know there's a lot of competition that played out there. The difference with Meyer is that they were so fast and especially when it came to perishable and produce specifically and fresh items yes. that they would um, you know just and we still do differentiate ourselves on that fresh product, but still provide, you know, a significant variety of, um, you know, call it fill in the basket, other items and led though with that fresh product and led with that really um, agile supply chain um, to be able to to really infiltrate in a region Mm -hmm. versus, you know, what I was coming from, which was, you know, across that national footprint. And that's where, you know, the quality was, was impeccable when it came to some of that fresh fresh product. And then what did you, you know, how did you appeal to those customers and that they came shopping so frequently, the frequency was so high because not they could come to Meijer for a variety of different trip missions. It wasn't always the same one. Right. Um, And that was, that was really fascinating and knowing how I used to measure success, you know, at Target and looking at some of those KPIs and seeing, you know, the differences and opportunities and strengths with Meijer was, was really interesting. And then, you know, managing that PL across the two different area or two different retailers, um, there were the different sizes and the different scopes of the business. Right. And I had moved wide, you know, across a wide gap of um, product categories. So at Target, I spent a tremendous amount of time in, you know, general merchandise, so decorative home, hard lines, um, bedding. So a lot of the, the products that were you know, not as fast moving consumer goods. And then right. when I shifted over to, to Meyer, using that, you know, decision-making of how to, how to grow a PL with, you know, imported slow moving trend merchandise and applying that now to super fast moving consumer goods and, you know, moving into the grocery business. Yeah. Um, some of those concepts were similar and could be applied, but also, you know, how do you, how do you pivot and, and manage through, you know, a, a very different business model. Right. Um, but that concept of consumer customer centricity uh, was able to apply across if it was wall decor or cereal. It was yeah. very <laughs> similar. And that was yeah. what actually was fun and, and able to, to teach others that too. Well, I'm curious too, you know, because Meyer has the freshness component, the grocery component, the local angle, like the community store angle, how do you feel 
like, you know, as a woman in this industry, especially as we look into the grocery industry that traditionally I feel like has been a little bit more male dominated, Mm -hmm. um, as you, what perspective do you think that you bring as a woman, um, to the industry in general and, and that you've brought to your work at Meyer? Yeah. So it's a really interesting question. And and I do reflect on it a lot because, you know, at time you do have to stop and become self-aware of what do I bring as, as a woman? Cause you just get ingrained in the way in which you approach right. situations. Um, and so I, I think about this a little different, um, and the segmenting out what does being a parent mean? And then what does being a woman mean? Right. Um, and that they are That's different really important. Right. Um, because parent, and this is something personally, I'm trying to speak to what does it mean to be a parent? Not just what does it mean to be a mom? Yes. Um, what does it mean to be a parent and how that changes your perspective and especially how to prioritize and that intentional time management, mm-hmm. clearly that as being a parent, both men and women, can bring, um, and, and especially even what we've learned the last two years of this idea of working with the time you have and how do you work hard in the time you have. And now yeah. there's all these trainings on being present, but the, you know, especially new parents learn that very quickly and right. apply that to, to a, their role of, you've got this amount of time that you can dedicate to here. What does that mean? How do you right. maximize that? Right. And then how do you not get distracted so that you can, you can ensure that you're focused there, but then being a woman brings a slightly different perspective. So not just, you know, separating from parenting for a minute and reflecting that, you know, how is that different? Um, when, when I'm in meetings or making decisions or leading teams. And I think it comes in the, in the ingrained thought that, Others' expectations of me, and if you want to say others, and it could be men or women, mm-hmm. are different because I'm a woman. And so okay. there's been situations, you know, in, in the career that maybe we've we've faced, I know other women face it as where well, where naturally or you start to sense that you're not granted, you know, some of that same benefit of the doubts that you had the expertise in the discussion or could make the decisions. And whether mm. that's um, intentional or not, I mean, that's what we're learning through a lot of our our bias training, um, or even the intention that I have, or the expectation that I have in, in my career, um, you know, having those situations, what did that teach me? And I think right. what happens is that I don't naturally assume that I'll be taken seriously or naturally assume when I walk into the room that I'll be listened to or not talked over in some of those situations. So I spend a tremendous amount of time establishing relationships and building trust. And feeling like you've got that, um, you know, foundation of, you know, here's what I bring to this situation that perhaps women do more than men because they've been forced in these situations. And so it's been really interesting to reflect of, you know, what are those situations that we all talk about as women of, oh, I was faced with this too, but how do you approach, how do you approach things differently now that you've been in these situations? And I do think, you know, the amount of time that I spend as a leader getting to know my team and spending that one-on-one conversations that I don't take lightly because I'm also establishing that trust so sure, that, you know, those assumptions yeah. and biases aren't made and yeah. it served well being a leader. And I, I notice a lot of other female leaders doing that too. And whether or not it's conscious or not that they're spending that time, you know, getting to know others is kind of how they lead, I think really helps um, the company. Well, and you created the first ever 
women in leadership organization at Meyer. Is it things like this that you were kind of doing informally that led to the creation or what was the motivation behind that? Yeah. So it, when I, you know, 10 years ago, our, I mean, our industry was in a very different place than, yes. than even we are today. And so, you know, I came really wanting to, to have, I had a personal need that I, I wanted to feel connections with others that I could relate to share stories. Yeah. Um, but I also really, you know, recognized that I was entering a new company and I did not want to come off, you know, offending the new company or suggesting training and development that, you know, wasn't meeting my needs and coming off on any, in any sort of wrong foot. And so instead what, what I did was I took our current training curriculum, you know, gave a lot of credit to that, which a lot of it was strong, but being able to show that there were, there were gaps in what Mm -hmm. I was looking for and took partners that, that others were, we're feeling some of those gaps and, and giving options, not just showcasing the gaps, but also, yeah. you know, what would, what would I do differently? And so bringing third-party content and at the time partnered with network of executive women and brought that content and saying, Hey, I could lead just a handful of these lunch and learns. I would bring the content, right. I'm just getting the ball rolling. And once started to find the right partners from an HR perspective and feeling like, getting some momentum there, you know, now I'm, you know, I, I serve as the executive sponsor of our, our women at Meyer group. Um, but really I don't have the reins, um, you know, anymore. And we're up to almost a thousand members wow. and we've got an, a, a board that functions really well. And that, you know, still a lot of, you know, opportunity out there, but from a team member resource group, um, you know, we've really impacted a lot within mm-hmm. the organization. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a personal kind of passion project and, and others have, have really helped along the way as well. So allies from um, senior leaders as well have been really helpful. And I mean, that's very commendable, especially starting this as a new employee at a company. Is there anything, like if you were to go back and, and do that again, is there anything you think you'd do differently? I'm just thinking of the listeners and like, if you're feeling this way, at your company, you're new, you feel like there's things that people could be doing. There's a very, you know, right way and wrong way. I think of bringing this to, to your leadership to kind of get the momentum that you did, Amanda, like, is there anything that you would say to the people who are feeling similarly or things you would have maybe done differently looking back? Yeah. So, I mean, the taking partners and taking the right partners. So feeling like you've surveyed kind of good understanding of, um, you know, who's influential within the company and especially me being new in the company, I needed to kind of start to learn that quickly um, because I wasn't going to be influential, you know, to a great extent being newer into the company. And so, you know, who, who would I need to take partners with first? And then of course, doing well in my current job. And so feeling like I'm being successful and adding value to the current job that I'm in and ensuring that it's not, you know, this is broken. It's a, this is what can move us further, um, you know, and, and push us into, um, a a different place and not ensuring that, you know, there's any sort of feeling that, that it's in a bad place right now, but Hey, it could be a better place. Um, and thinking through that and then also patience, um, Mm -hmm. just ensuring that I wasn't going to, you know, feel like I was putting my foot down or anything, taking partners and any, any, um, incremental step was, 
success. Right. And so not feeling like we needed to replicate what either other retailers had or other CPG companies had using benchmarks, but not feeling, you know, like the, the company felt like we were in a terrible place, but any incremental step was helpful. Right. I, I love that advice, especially the, you know, taking partners is a great, you know, I think recommendation. I also really like the part that you said of just, you know, doing your day-to-day job to the best, like being there and showing that you're trustworthy, that you're loyal, dependable also as a way to like use that influence to really move these kinds of initiatives forward. Um, I, I love that, Amanda. I want to shift gears a little bit to your current role right now at Meyer. You told us about all the things you were doing. Um, it seems like it would be one of the most exciting jobs you could have. I mean, all the areas that you're talking about are dominating headlines in this retail category. How do you think about the strategy that you're putting together with Meyer as you look at the competition? Like, how do you make Meyer defensible? Um, with the programs that you're running as we look into 2022? Yeah, so I, I'm thrilled that, that the areas and, you know, especially retail media and own brand and just all of these areas, yes. digital, digital shopping as well, are just getting so much attention because they should, because this yes. is absolutely what's of interest to um, customers as well as our, our industry between, between the companies of, um, you know, how we continue to, to position ourselves. And so it was, as I reflected, so, I mean, retailers in general have been that place where the connection is made between a product, a brand, and that ultimate consumer. Um, And so that legacy of retailers playing that role, um, I mean, that's where it's it's culminated. And so making sure that that right, I mean, we used to talk about right product at the right time and the right store and the right amount. Um, is kind of the the legacy of the role that the retailers play in all of the loyalty and the consumer experience and the the way in which we create products. And so specifically with retail media, with this exploding, it's really exciting because, you know, retailers understand the interests of the customer and, and, you know, there's all the headlines on first party data and all of, all of, um, you know, the headlines that come with that, but that perspective of getting now, okay, not just right product, but right message and right mm-hmm. content in front of that right customer at the right time, the right media channel, right, um, is is really what retailers have done for years. It's just shifting a little bit more than just off of a shelf product, mm-hmm. and, and then shifting from a mass perspective to really understanding audiences and needs, and and how do we, you know, shift that behavior and predict the behavior based on, um, you know, similarities and past behavior. And it's, it's really exciting, but how to, you know, position Meyer and to position, you know, other retailers is figuring out, you know, what, what customer are you going after and how do you meet those needs in a specific sure. way that differentiates you from another retailer down the street. And then, so you you have your value that you're creating um, to a customer subset to find your place in the industry and differentiate yourself within that industry. And, you know, we're all doing similar things, but how do you position yourself when, when the customer is making those choices and being really intentional about who you're talking to and why and, and in what content. And so it's pretty exciting. And all of, you know, kind of what lives within my world is, is for that effort of 
What are we offering from an own brand perspective? What are we, you know, offering from a digital service perspective and what's similar and then ultimately what's different and why would a customer choose to shop us? And, you know, going back to, to Meyer, I mean, we've got such emotional equity that I, that drew well, me I was, in. I was going to ask that. I was like, you know, I think you, you're the way that you're thinking about the strategy makes sense. I'm wondering how much of what you talked about earlier, that like community position or being a neighbor, like the mindset of the customers, how much do you think that plays into defensibility, I guess, against other retailers, especially as we're seeing like Amazon come hard into the space in 2022. Like, how do you think about that and what your kind of position is there as you're, as you're beefing up the, the loyalty programs, the, you know, retail media yeah. networks, how, yeah. how do you think about that? I mean, that's the, the element of trust and, you know, ultimately um, people have their, their emotions and where they, they trust and, you know, want to feel really confident and really good um, about where they spend their money and where do they choose to, you know, invest what they have as a household into an organization that they feel aligns with, with what they want to represent in, in their circles. And so feeling like we can stand and have a position and have a purpose that can resonate with, you know, and all those, you know, cliches that I just said of write this, write that at the right time, defining what right is for each, you know, for each retailer. And then ultimately our role of finding that right answer for, for Meyer and, and it comes down to the, the, the difference that we can make in those communities and that the part that we can play to better those communities um, is ultimately our purpose. We just also happen to sell really great goods and services at great price, but our role is to be that neighbor in the community. I think that's so important as we think about, especially regional um, general merchandise and grocery retailers is, you know, you, you do have to maintain that authenticity in the community, but at the same time, I think you are also, you know, staying curious, you're deploying new technology in store to kind of make that experience better, but really kind of bring, bring the community element, but bring the convenience element together so that you have this, you know, unmatched offering for your, the customers in your community. How do you and your team stay up to date, Amanda, with how you're going to balance all those things? Like, how do you stay curious? Who are you? Is there somebody you like to read? Do you like to follow certain like podcasts or watch Ted talks conferences? Like what, how are you, how, what's the mission, uh, so that your team can be on top of these things and really creating that perfect mixture. Yeah. So there's a lot of content out there when it comes to these topics. And so maneuvering through it is, is very difficult. And I would say, you know, ensuring that, that we stay in tune with obviously who we partner with as well, so that we're, you know, feeling like we're marching towards the same trend or same consumer insights and being able to measure both what our customers are telling us versus what we read on the headlines and how do we determine you know, the, the differences between that, um, and similarities and, and trying to maneuver through that vast amount of, of data. And so, you know, it's, um, from a specific, you know, reading or podcast, I mean, as you know, there's a lot out there. Um, I do like listening to your show, so I will plug that. Um, thank thank you. That 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 was not the intention was to get an Omni talk plug out of this, but, but yes, 
Thank you. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah. So, so it's fun. Um, but also, you know, the heading back to the conferences. So it's been really, and I've felt it, it's been tough the last two years, not yeah. feeling like you're out there and there's yeah. virtual content and I've participated in, you know, a handful of those, but they're not the same. Um, and I'm happy that they existed because they, yeah. they served, um, you know, filling some of that, that gap over the last two years, but really excited to head back out there. Um, we're taking our team out to shop talk here next month. And so that's exciting to get out there and see, you know, all the different companies that are playing in this space and what, you know, are the different, different resources that we could apply to, to our mission, but staying very clear with what we're trying to achieve because of all the noise that's out there, I think is really difficult. So I, you know, was talking about the parenting and the women, um, impact, but this idea of distractions and really trying to stay really true to what we're hoping to achieve and what success looks like. And then taking in those, you know, insights and interest, not getting ourselves distracted because of all the headlines that are out there, you know, could be a really, you know, easy path to go down. And then you end up, you know, not really moving yourself forward. Right. And then, um, you know, from a leadership perspective, I was reflecting back, I was like, gosh, I, you know, first I need to do more reading, but kind of figuring out that <laughs> in your spare that, time with yeah. 13 things that you're responsible the one for. That in your I title. love from a leadership perspective, um, is a book called the hard thing about hard things okay. um, by Ben Horowitz. And this one has, was, a was a tough one to read because they go, he goes through, um, just a variety of just tough situations Mm -hmm. that you're faced with as a leader. Um, and some that you don't always lean into, um, because they're so tough. And so kind of going through the different perspectives of what to take and you do feel more confident after reading it. And maybe you're not faced with as tough of the situations, but you might at some point in your career and going through the adversity and how you maneuver through that and yes. have that level of trust through it. And then I also realized, cause I looked at the book again, when I was preparing for this, that, that he references CEOs in a, in a she voice. And it was, I didn't know if I even noticed that when I first read it, but I yeah. loved the book and I was like, Hey, I'm going to appreciate that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that book. Um, I think you bring up a good point. It's almost one that I think you could, you can continue to read throughout your career too, because each point, like, you know, the, all the examples can resonate differently at different times as you're going through your career. So I, I would second that Amanda. I love that book. Um, I wonder if you could go back and as you, like, you kind of reflect on your career, um, what advice do you wish that someone would have given you in your career, Amanda, that you might give out to our listeners today? I think the, the concept of, um, you've been successful, like prior to, to the roles that you've come into. So, you know, when I entered in some of the the downfalls I had, or those kind of dark days that I had was feeling like, am I actually progressing? Am I moving, moving forward and making those good, good decisions and checking the box. And you have so many, there's so many successful people in retail. So many successful people are drawn into retail just because of the fast moving and exciting industry that it is. Um, But it also isn't a check the box industry. And so it's not a, if I do these five things, it's going to work. And so this idea, because you're moving with the consumer and you're moving with the customer and you're so close, like I mentioned with the culmination of the way that consumers make the decision is done with that retailer at the closest level that, that you are moving with those emotions and you're moving with the constant macro 
influencers and drivers. And so the, the comforts when it comes to not having the right answers or not having the, you know, five-year plan that you're just going to follow and and then it's going to be successful at the end. And the, the finding joy in pivoting and finding joy in the ambiguity and having the confidence in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've learned that and endured some of that, you know, as we've gone through the years, but I think having a little bit of that when you're getting into it of, you know, this, this industry is a whole lot of fun, but it's not a, you do these things and it'll work. Right. Idea. Well, I, I love that. I think it just unlocks to the opportunity that's out there, especially with the fast pace that we're looking at with technology being injected into retail now too. Like that's, I think fantastic advice for people listening, just, you you know, trying to allow yourself to be flexible and respond and seize the opportunities that that creates for you and for a direction that your career could go on that you may, I mean, retail media networks didn't exist when Mm -hmm. you were, you know, at target, I'm sure. And now look at what you're doing 10 years later, Amanda, it's pretty amazing. Um, the last question I have for you as we wrap this up, as you're thinking back on your career again, if you could write a thank you note to one person who really impacted your career, what, uh, would you write to them and who would you write that to? All right. That's a good question. So, um, it was my first female boss or female leader. And it was a you know couple years into my career. It was my first buying job. It was actually coming out for the buyer training. And she um, she endured confidence and she was, you know, our senior buyer at the time. I was a first-time buyer. And the way that she approached situations I had not seen before. And she was tough, but she was very kind and very caring and took time to um, get to know me and get to know things that were in my life that were outside of my P&L that I managed. Right. And, um, you know, I took kind of what I learned from her and, and kind of, you know, she's moved on to, to many, many other things. So her name was Stacy Shively. Okay. Um, and so she moved on and did many different things, but she was, I was probably 24, 25 when, yeah. when uh, I was on the team. And so kind of seeing that as an example, um, and of course she had men above her and men above her, um, but seeing what she could do to, to influence and motivate our team was really exciting. And so she was probably the first influential one that I would write a thank you thank you note too. I've had many others as my career has gone, but that was an early one that I started to replicate a lot of the things that she did. Lovely. Well, I hope Stacy is listening and thank you, Stacy, for being a part of this incredible woman's career that we get to talk to today. Um, Amanda McVeigh, it has been so exciting to talk to you today, to learn about what you're doing at Meyer. We will be so excited to continue to follow your work and um, if people want to want to do that, they're curious about you know what's going on with uh, with Meyer and the teams that you're leading there. Um, what's the best way that they can stay on top of it? Is it going to the Meyer website, looking on LinkedIn? What 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 works for you? Yeah, I mean the Meyer Meyer content online would be you know a great place um, to start from a from a Meyer connection perspective. So and then of course I'm on LinkedIn. So awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. Again, that was Amanda McVeigh, the group vice president for marketing and customer strategy, retail media, e-commerce, own brand, and data insights at Meyer. Thank you so much. If you, Amanda, could hold your own concert with three bands, dead or alive, which bands would you choose? Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Um, so I've been a Taylor Swift fan for many, many years, and just really the last few years have been quite meaningful with what she's done and oh the way God, Unbelievable. Um, Do you have a favorite album? The latest ones, like the folklore and, yeah. and those that have come out. And we've been obsessed with all things, as everyone has with Lynn manuel um, Miranda. Yeah. So Encanto's taken over our house. And so he yeah. is also ridiculous when it comes to talent and, oh and music. God, so not that they would be together with Taylor Swift, but that's another one that's been- It's your concert. You can have whoever yeah. you want and yeah. whatever. Yeah, so that would be fun. 